All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to the We The Collective Fitness Podcast or WTCF. It's Charlie. I'm hanging out in my kitchen and I wanted to go ahead and address nagging injuries and basically how to start working through self-assessments and, and being able to answer some questions for yourself, right? It's not the fact that, you know, I, I want you to think critically. I'm going to try to teach you how to think critically. Like, how do you think and do these things for yourself? So, we're all going to get injured at some point in life. It's going to happen, right? You're going to fall or get scraped or get cut or get burnt or something's going to happen and you're going to physically injure yourself. It is part of life. Too bad. So sad. Um, but a lot of those injuries, a fair amount of them will heal with light to moderate scarring. Maybe none at all. You might cut your finger and it turns back into nothing, but that doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes a long span of time for the, or a shorter span of time, but time nonetheless to heal and recover from something like that. And I think we have similar things that kind of happen with the major joints of our body. So this is again, handling the nagging injuries that we kind of have, especially around things like wrists, elbows, shoulders, hips, knees, and toes. So I wanted to go through a little bit of these joint movements, uh, get a good understanding so you can start to do self-assessments. And maybe if this is well-received, I'll do a more in-depth version of it, just looking at a specific section. So when we have these nagging injuries, there's a few ways that they come up. So we have repetitive motion. So during a repetitive motion, we can start to create a little bit too much uneven tension on the muscles and the ligaments and the tendons. So we basically pull too much on one side and not enough on the other. And so we start to create an imbalance. So you ever see it where um, somebody's right arm looks bigger than their left arm? Joke, haha. But again, if you're a right-handed person, it's normal for your right arm to be a little bit bigger. So again, this side is going to get used more. So that's what happens, right? That side develops a little bit different. However, when we create a repetitive movement pattern where the sides aren't even, we create ourselves an environment where we start to change our posture. So case in point, we sit at our desk, not upright, and I'm guilty of it too. We sit with a slouch. Let me look at our phone. So we spend a lot of our time here. And by being here a whole lot more, I'm creating a lot of tension on my upper back. This is all stretching because none of this is being used. And I'm getting really tight through my shoulders and my upper chest because everything wants to sit this way. So now I don't have the same movement pattern. When it says look up, I can't look up the same way anymore. Because if I continue to do the same movement patterns, your body is going to say, well, we're going to develop this way because this is what you need the body to do. So we get this part stronger. So if we don't balance ourselves out, we can start to create these imbalances. And then that imbalance can lead to additional wear and tear on parts of our body that don't pan out great. So another case in point, someone who has a, a bum shoulder because they've been a barber for 30 some odd years and they sat with their arm like this and they've been cutting here for 30 years. They've probably devised a way to sit this arm here and it might not be the most advantageous way to keep the shoulder settled into the joint and proper alignment of all the growth of the muscles around it, right? So we start to pull on some stuff, rotator cuff issues, you know, uh, those kind of things start to pop up through repetitive movement. Another one could just be the fact of our bodies themselves are all built a little bit different. So case in point, I love using this example. Everyone's squat is going to look a little bit different. Some people don't have dorsiflexion in their ankles. Again, this is the, the ability to get your knee out over your toe or pick up your toes, 
that's a better way to phrase it, to be able to pick your toes up towards your shin is dorsiflexion. Well, if we don't have really good dorsiflexion of our foot, we're not going to be able to let our knee track out far enough for us to then balance with our hip coming back to then balance with the weight on our shoulders. So we end up with this off kilter zigzag that's not really efficient and we don't get into those spots because some of our mechanics were not built certain ways. And that's not to go ahead and say, well, you know what? I'm built this way. I can't squat. The idea is you need to go ahead and change and assess the movement patterns that'll go ahead and improve it. So I think those are the main things that end up happening. Like we, we end up with, you know, over usage, and then we just have bad mechanics being the, 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 the guiding principles on these things, not panning out or creating nagging injuries. Because again, we become what we repeatedly do. So I'm going to use my, my shoulder as the example and kind of work through this and say, all right, I was benching for a while. I was feeling super, super strong, but I realized I was having a ton of shoulder pain, like so much so that I didn't like benching. And I could have just stopped benching altogether. There's other movement patterns. And again, if you don't like benching, screw it. Who says you have to? But I like doing it. But now I started to hate it. And I'm like, well, why do I hate it? Like, well, I keep getting hurt. So I started to assess it and start to learn as many things about what are other movement mechanics around my shoulder. So as I started to learn more of the mechanics around my shoulder, I started to realize that as I would press, I would flare my elbow out really, really far. So as my elbow gets further away, this is abduction to go away and adduction is to come in. So to add to your body and to abduct from your body. So what I was doing, I was creating this abduction and my elbow would get further away. And as I would keep pressing, I would press this way and I would put a ton of strain into my upper traps, a lot of tensions up by my neck. And I thought this is what I needed to do. But during this time, my chest is not firing at all. All of that work is being focused on this internal rotation of my shoulder. That's what started causing me pain because I was trying to force a square peg into a round hole. And eventually, if you keep forcing it, it will shave its way into the space, right? It'll force its way in eventually, thus creating pain. So as I started to think about my movement pattern, again, started watching more and got a good understanding of the seven planes of motion that my shoulder can move. So my shoulder or your shoulder, because everybody's shoulder should be able to do this, is it moves in seven directions. So basically the funny thing is that it's a sign of the cross, right? It goes up and down and left and right. Perfect. That's four already. It helps with pronation, supination. So to be able to hold a bowl of soup and pronate, I basically drop my soup. And then there's a seventh one that I'm not the biggest fan of, but I think it's important because I think it's part of the up. There's a space right here and there's this little space at the top and it's a little tough to find. And the idea would be, you're going to try to get your bicep in line with your ear. I, I love the cue of stick your head out the window and be able to keep your shoulder down. So some people have a really tough time of getting through that movement pattern. So if I start to go ahead and find movement around those spaces, I can start to assess, well, where does the pain come from? So what I can do right away is again, assess where the pain is coming from and reduce the intensity of the work associated to it. So if I can find where my pain is, for me, alleviating the pain doesn't mean to keep rotating in and make sure that I have more movement. I needed to go ahead and change the overall musculature usage. I needed to completely change the form in which I moved it because what I was doing is now creating a repetitive environment where I'm not prepared 
to press this way. My body is not built to press like this and get super strong. So I'm probably going to get injured before I get strong. Can I see the difference? Hopefully you guys can see the difference between the two. I have a repetitive movement that's done not in an advantageous way. And I'm not moving into a, a pattern that fits my body, right? So what I would start to do is again, work on watching the best people around going out, using the internet to the, to the best of my ability, finding people who knew what they were talking about, people who had been through injuries. And then I take as much information as I could test a few things and then start throwing stuff out. And what I've learned from that, that experience is one of the best things that I can tell you is the notion is motion is lotion. Making sure that you have mobility through the joint is incredibly important. Again, if you're missing any of those seven in your shoulder, the idea is to spend a little bit of time creating an environment where you are moving through it. And it doesn't mean change your life. That means sit down for five minutes, listen to your shoulder and move it around. No weight, no nothing. Who says you have to do anything with it? And then start to assess well, where does the pain come in? And then what is the least amount to go ahead and improve it? So the idea is not to completely 100% avoid pain, but get as close as you can so you know that it's there and then back off a little bit and continue to work in this range until eventually that range will tick up. So eventually the movement pattern will come back if you work close to the joint itself. So uh, again, working from the shoulder, shoulder is hypermobile. So it's able to do all of this stuff. Your hips are built in a moderately similar way. It's another ball and socket joint that does have a fair amount of mobility. And it just doesn't have as much mobility as our shoulders, because if it was the case, doing the splits would be the easiest thing in the world, right? But from a lot of people, it's not. So the hips and the shoulders operate kind of similar with the internal external rotation, the same kind of extend forward and back and the abduction adduction of, of those movements. Those are all still the same movements. The hip just doesn't have that seventh one in the same way. So there's six ranges of motion that you should be able to get through with your hips. Test it, sit around, try to challenge your legs in different patterns. And you're looking for the least amount of pain. And if anything, you might end up finding a spot where you're like, that just feels pleasant. And it's again, your body kind of points you in a good direction to help yourself with your movement pattern. So to be able to move more into the space, and this can be as slow as you need it to be. I get a lot of doctors would say, just don't use it. Don't use it. Don't use it. But then I'm worried I'm going to lose it. So I, I don't have a great shoulder from bench pressing like an idiot. They tell me to stop benching. Okay. Stop doing that. Okay. So I stop work. I stop working my shoulder. So what do I end up doing? I use this arm more. This one gets hurt. What do I do then? Now I have no arms to work with, or I have to constantly deal with being in pain. I don't accept that of my life. I don't want to sit around feeling like I'm in pain. So I want to be able to work myself backwards and find what is going to be the least amount of pain for the most reward of movement. And I think Ben Patrick has done a really good job of his knees over toes work and being able to do things like reverse sled pulls and finding these other things where it's like, what's the least amount that you can do that'll go ahead and start to generate some non-pain related movement. Um, Dr. Aaron from Squat University, I always butcher his last name because I, I know it starts with an H. Um, he does fantastic work of being able to assist individuals one at a time about removing pain. So using other sources that are out there, knees over toes guy, Ben Patrick, using Squat University, finding information and, and asking questions around, well, how do these movement patterns, are they supposed to look? And we can build a whole lot of opportunity to repair those things in ourselves.
So that's what I wanted to go ahead and, and offer through that one. Now, the next piece is that our elbows and our knees are very similar. So in the way that they're similar, they flex and extend, and that's all they do. No elbow, no knee rotates. And if you're like, I can rotate my elbow, that's your shoulder. And if you're able to rotate, if you're able to rotate at your elbow, see even here, you're like, oh, I'm rotating my, this is my wrist. My wrist is moving. My elbow doesn't. Um, if your knees or elbows rotate, you're probably going to go to the hospital. It's not how they're supposed to move. And they're one of the primary drivers of pain because we're creating environments where we're trying to turn something that's not designed to turn. So people who have something like knee valgus, that's when your knees start to cave in a bit when you squat. So let's just go ahead and say like, this is the angle. in. so the knee starts to cave in and the knees here, the pressure associated to the weight always goes straight down. There is no support underneath the knee as the knee caves in, right? If there's, if it caves in, there's less support for it. So now it needs to rotate its way out because there is nothing for it to push from. That's why it shows up in so many like, uh, personal trainings, things. It's a huge, huge issue of people just letting their knees cave in. Now, is it the end of the world? Can there be a little bit? Yeah, a little bit, again, within managed reason. But if it's significant, it can cause a ton of pain and pressure around the knee. Same kind of thing happens for like tennis elbow, being overworked or trying to create a rotation through the elbow that's not accessible. So the sooner we realize that the elbow and the knee only flex and extend, we're going to go ahead and start to find a lot more alleviation of the pain. And also I do recommend like things like voodoo flossing. So you would take like a band and you would wrap it around your arm, almost like you were like a track junkie, um, but you would kind of wrap it above and then below the joint that's in question and start to create movement patterns through it. So case in point, if I'm having issues with my elbow and I can feel it on the lower half here, so I'm feeling tension down in this portion of it, I would wrap a band really tightly around here and just work to flex and extend in my elbow. Again, giving myself an opportunity to put blood flow into that space. Now, if I started feeling it on the upper side of it, I can do the same thing. I can band this off, flex and extend, and just make sure that I'm getting blood flow into it. Blood flow is so important for your body's being able to heal. Once we stop moving those parts, the body doesn't require as much oxygen into those sections. So it doesn't get enough blood flow. So the things that could be fixed don't get fixed. So the idea is find those movement patterns that are going to be really helpful and get blood flow to those spaces. Move your freaking body to the minimal degree to start creating less pain. You get as close as you can to it and you back it down. Close as you can to it, back it down. And you do that over and over and over again. Now, the last one I'm going to go ahead and assess is your wrist. So wrists and ankles uh, operate very similar as well, right? There's a ton of bone. There's a ton of connective tissue. There's a ton of little micro muscles all in here. And they have very, very important functionality, right? Like we have a ton of nerve endings in our hands and our feet. So we have a ton of this ability to rotate and move around. And when we lose that, we start to lose things like balance. So if we are unable to create any movement pattern from our ankle, if our ankles aren't able to twist, we can't walk on anything but flat surfaces, right? So any bump in the road is life shattering. You just fall over. So making sure that you have good mobility through your ankle to be able to get it to wave. And then what I usually like to do is I'll put a band around one side and I'll let the band pull me a little bit and I'll just simply push away from it. So I'm just like waving my foot. 
I'm just waving, 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 waving. And if this is some kind of like sign language thing that's inappropriate, cool. I didn't know. Um, but being able to have movement patterns through your ankle is incredibly important. Another one that stands out is dorsiflexion. So like a dorsal fin on a fish, um, it's our ability to flex our toes up towards our face. Um, and again, it's not a movement pattern that we do a whole lot, but there's a lot of shock absorption absorption through that ability to lift your feet. So when you run, as you walk, being able to pick your toes up is important so you don't trip. Now we go ahead and get rid of that. So we get really lazy. So that muscle on the front side of our leg gets really weak. And when we hit the ground, we don't need it anymore. So it starts to calcify because there's a ton of little bones there. And those little bones, they'll fuse together if you give them enough time. If you don't get them to wiggle around or move the right way, they'll start to become better friends and they'll put more connective tissue in there. And then it'll be harder and harder for you to move through that space. So again, finding moments where you can get like your knee out over your toe gets a great stretch for the Achilles. Again, practicing movement patterns that create blood flow into the problem area, right? So we understand it. Hopefully we can do this at this point. It's 17 minutes. I don't want to go on forever about this. So if we need to do more, I'll do more on another day, but it's a really simple concept of, all right, you have a deep-seated injury that's somewhere there, right? First, understand, is it a repetitive issue? Are you constantly going back to the same spot and you've created an imbalance of the muscles? So now one side pulls on the other harder and it doesn't want to stay balanced anymore, which means when it's at rest, it's going to drag something out of the joint or drag something out of its own alignment. And again, getting chiropractic work is not going to fix that. It'll pop it back in, but guess what you're going to do? You're going to rip it right back out. And the other one is finding the ability to create movement patterns that don't create pain and create blood flow. Your blood is life-saving, right? If we lose enough of it, we just die. So there's tons of nutrition that's in it for our bodies. So we want to encourage it to get to every last piece of us as we possibly can and granted opportunities by flexing the muscles, by helping the arteries and the veins move the stuff further into the tissue. The better we go ahead and understand that and think, how should this work? How do I get blood flow? Am I, have I done this too repeatedly? We're going to find a lot of opportunity to alleviate pain. So if you do have other questions, comments, please, by all means, start sending stuff. Uh, I don't know if comments are turned on, but I'm not hard to find. You can ask questions at We The Collective Fitness and uh, at We The Collective Fitness uh, on Instagram. We're also, this is going to be posted on YouTube, so you, you can find contact information through there. But I do think it's really important that we spend time understanding how we move, because if we don't, we're going to be in more pain, move less and move less and move less. And if Newton had a thing that was really correct, an object in motion will stay in motion.